What's going on, everybody? Welcome to the Sports Culture Podcast. I'm your host, Seth, joined with my three co-hosts, Cam, Mark, and Mo. Say what's up, guys. What's going on? Before we start here, we just want to remind you all to follow us on all our handles um, at OfficialTSEPod on Twitter, TikTok, and Instagram. So we're going to get right into the recent NFL news here. The biggest one here, Deshaun Watson and a fifth-round pick traded to the Browns for three first-round picks, a third- and a fourth-round pick. Watson also signed a five-year deal for 230 mil guaranteed. What's your guys' thoughts on that? Yeah, um, I, I think that it was a great move. Obviously, the Falcons were the, were the heavy favorite to land Deshaun Watson. Um, I don't know if it's more of a, of a sign of how much the 49ers gave up to move up for Trey Lance, but considering they gave up three firsts, to uh, trade up and select Trey Lance, and um, and then the the Browns were able to get Deshaun Watson, who's already an established quarterback in the league for a similar package, plus um, a third and a fourth is pretty remarkable. Yeah, I've seen guys say this is a bad move by the Browns here, and I don't really understand why they're trading for a top five quarterback here. He's 26 years old, and now they got him locked in for five more years. It's a great move by the Browns, in my opinion, and it puts them in possible Super Bowl contention in my opinion yeah definitely and it it, it makes the Amari Cooper trade look better as well because you know he didn't fit with Baker's play style at all so exactly took a pay cut too yeah Yeah. so they restructured his whole deal but um I think the people who are calling this a bad move are just like you know trying to be different because if there was no charges against Deshaun Watson I definitely could have seen him netting like five first easily this is a this is a great trade for the Browns. Yeah, um, that, that kind of makes me want to talk about the the contract structure a little bit. So, next year he's only guaranteed one million dollars. Um, I'm I'm not really a fan of. I I mean I know he was cleared on everything, but uh, it, it feels like they're kind of rewarding him for, for for having a little bit of a history. Like if he gets suspended next season, he's only losing a million dollars, which I think it's a little bit scummy because you know I don't while he. He was cleared on all the charges. I think that, you know, I, I doubt 22 women or however many it was were all lying. So, you know, somebody probably does have a legitimate story against him, but there just wasn't evidence. So I think it's kind of a scummy move for them to, you know, if he does get punished for his actions, he's only going to lose a million dollars. But it doesn't really matter. I'm thinking he'll only get suspended at about maybe six games. So Right, yeah. In the grand scheme of thing, I don't think uh, the whole season will be effective for him. Another big trade that happened, Devonta Adams traded to the Raiders for a 2022 first and a 2022 second. Devonta Adams paired up with his quarterback from Fresno State, Derek Carr, to form that duo again. Definitely gives that Raiders offense a big needed boost that they needed. Uh, what's your thoughts on that? Uh, yeah, I, I like the move. Obviously, if you can you know, work to acquire an elite talent like Devontae Adams, you're going to do it. And he's got chemistry with Derek Carr. You know, They work out in the offseason every year. You know, obviously, they played in college together. Um, and it was kinda, it's kind of been rumored for the last couple of years that he wanted to play with Derek Carr. Um, but you know, I, I feel like, I mean, obviously, I'm not going to hate on the move of acquiring Devontae Adams. But I I don't really like that it's kind of kind of pigeonhole Brian Edwards and now who who showed some flashes last year um i hope that they're able to to grab a speed guy um because they obviously lost Henry Ruggs last year so i think they need some some like burn at speed over the top in that offense but i think it's a great move and um 
it's also good for the Packers. You know, Devontae Adams clearly didn't want to be there, so to be able to get a first and a second out of him is impressive. Yeah, they uh, really solidified their wide receiver room. Also, think that the the trade is going to help them compete in the, the very, very, very stacked AFC West now. It was a move I think they had to make at that point with how everybody right. else in the division was building. It was the only the, big move that they made, I guess, compared to what the Chargers and the Broncos are doing. Yeah. I don't know. Like Cam said, you know, it's good for the Packers as well, but hopefully they can uh, hit on some picks because they haven't been too hot uh, in the draft scene the last few years. Yeah, nice. Especially in the first. Right. Adam's also signing a five-year, $141 million deal, making him the highest paid wide receiver of all time. Definitely deserves that type of money for um, putting up the numbers he's put up the last what, four or five years with Aaron Rodgers. Now you got to wonder what uh, the Packers are going to do with their wide receiver room. They got Alan Lazard, and I don't even think MVS has re-signed with them. So that's really all they got in that wide receiver room. So you got to wonder what they're going to do. Another yeah, trade. I mean, it's – I want to I want to talk about the wide receiver situation a little bit. Luckily, it's a, it, it's a great wide receiver class, you know. Or I have I have 11 first or second round wide receivers in this upcoming class, and you know, um, a guy I've I've really liked recently is watching uh, Christian Watson out of North Dakota State. He kind of reminds me of uh, MVS a little bit, but he moves a little bit better. Just crazy speed, um, you know, elite NFL size and athleticism. So maybe grabbing a guy like him to to maybe learn from MVS if you want to say that. Um, but like I said, it's just a great wide receiver class. So. Yeah, they they should definitely pick up one in the first round, and Christian Watson more of that in that second round projected range, so they can probably snag him in the second there. Another trade that happened: uh, Robert Woods got traded to the Titans for a 2023-6. This is a good deal for both sides. Robert Woods is 30, coming off an ACL injury, and he had a 13 mil cap hit, I believe, for this year. So Titans are taking on that, but they're getting the much needed wide receiver too after Julio didn't work out and they ended up cutting him. What's your guys' thoughts on that trade? I mean, yeah, I... Go ahead, Mo. I was going to say, I don't think there's a bad a bad side in that trade. Both teams... Well, the Rams didn't get better, but they obviously didn't really need Robert Woods anymore. They won the Super Bowl without him. I mean, depending on where Odell's going to go, but now they've got Allen Robinson on the other side of Cooper Cup. And the Titans really, really needed a wide receiver too because Julio couldn't stay on the field and was constantly injured. So maybe Ryan Tannehill could get him the ball a little bit. Yeah. After the defense. Yeah, I and I, I tweeted about this on the podcast, you know, uh, on the uh, Twitter account. Uh, you know, the the Rams obviously just won a Super Bowl without Robert Woods, so they kind of moved their offense away from him. They they liked what they saw to Van Jefferson. Um, I don't. They obviously just signed Allen Robinson, uh, but yeah, I think that it's a it's a great move for the Titans. They definitely needed a, a secondary wide receiver there. We saw last year whenever AJ Brown was out and uh, Julio Jones was battling injuries all year, their wide receiver one was like Nick Westbrook, um, who I liked a lot at Indiana. He's a really high character guy and he plays hard, but he's just you know he's limited obviously, and they um, you know they were just it was a really weak wide receiver room after the top two, so. Get another body in there is definitely going to help. 
Agreed. AJ Brown and Robert Woods definitely forms a pretty solid wide receiver duo there, and hopefully that helps uh, Ryan Tannehill um, uh, put up some good numbers and lead the Titans in a very stacked AFC division. Another move in the AFC that happened, Juju finally signs a deal. He signs with the Chiefs on a one-year deal worth $10.75 million. This is a perfect fit for him, in my opinion. I think he's going to be in store for a very big year in Kansas City. Yeah, my my Juju Smith-Schuster career arc is is nuts. Like, I I loved him at USC. He got into the NFL, and I thought he was annoying. Didn't like him. And uh, then he got to the point where he became extremely underrated, mostly just because of TikTok and the the physical limitations of Ben Roethlisberger. He basically just turned into a like a curl receiver or, or a flats receiver. He he didn't really get to do much. When in reality, he's one of the most like physically gifted receivers in the league after the catch you know super strong plays hard every snap so i i hope that he you know i, I think that the league is going to regret disrespecting him and he's going to go to the chiefs and i think he's really going to ball out yeah he's very explosive i talked about it um in our wide receiver free agent predictions i think a lot so many people have forgotten how explosive he is i think the steelers might regret um losing him with their new quarterback Mitch Trubisky coming in he's going to be a great weapon for patrick Mahomes in that offense yeah, I love Juju. Like Cam said, uh, last two years he's been extremely underrated, and now he gets to go play with one of the best quarterbacks, if not the best quarterback, on a three mil deal. He's gonna get, you know, huge stats. He's gonna get paid next year for sure. So that should be fun for Mahomes and that whole offense. Moving on, DJ Moore signing a three-year, sixty-one point nine mil contract extension with the Panthers it's coming that time where that 2019 class is going to start signing those extensions especially these big name wide receivers like DJ Moore he's the first of his class to do it about 20 mil per year much reserved contract hopefully they can get him an actual decent quarterback sometime soon so he can actually put up the numbers we know his talent levels with what's your guys thoughts on this extension Uh, I think it's a great extension for DJ Moore. Um, I've loved him since he's came, he's came into the league, solely because he did grow up in my area. But he's been putting up consistent stats with below-average quarterbacks for the last three years. And if the Panthers can just hit on one quarterback and, and get it rolling, I think they'd be pretty good off with him. Definitely agree there. He's been stuck with these quarterbacks like Sam Darnold, um, Cam Newton for a little bit last year, Teddy Bridgewater, all these very low-level quarterbacks who have definitely been hindering his numbers greatly. Um, a little bit of draft progress news. Uh, David Ajabu suffers a torn Achilles. Very sad story here. He was a first-round draft prospect, and he's definitely going to slip a lot here now. Um, where do you all think he's going to end up going now? I I mean, I would still take him in the second round, personally, but I don't know if he will go that high or maybe he'll even fall to the third. Um, but, you know, luckily, he's a tremendous athlete. Like, you know, it's it's natural for guys to lose a little bit whenever they come back from an Achilles injury. But, you know, he, it's weird to say, but he has a little bit to lose. Um, 
you know, he's he's a freak athlete. He only started playing football five years ago. Um, you know, what he's done at Michigan has been remarkable, especially this past season. Him and Aiden Hutchinson was just a crazy duo. Um, I I hate it, but he kind of feels like he's going to be a Patriot. Unfortunately, they you know they always grab these Michigan guys, and um, I don't know. It seems very Bill Belichick to grab a guy that that people are going to kind of forget about because of the injury, and then he's going to come in a second year and probably blow things up. So I could definitely see him going to the Patriots. Such a sad story because he was a. I mean, Myers was definitely going to be a top fifteen pick, and seeing him go down like that in a pro day really sucks. Um, yeah, it's kind of devastating as pro day too. Like a lot of scouts and stuff. Do you guys see that video of him yeah. like yeah. falling? No, that was like that was kind of Very awful. Cool. And and that guy was a Michigan football employee too. That that makes me yeah, yeah man. Yeah, I just walked past him after the injury and just grabbed the football and didn't even help him out. That was. That wasn't a good sight to see. Um, we got Fletcher Cox re-signed with the Eagles on a one-year deal. Mo, you're an Eagles fan. I'm sure you love this signing right here. Oh, yeah, 100%. I mean, it's just saving cap space, even though it's only like four mil. But having Fletcher Cox back on the team is just great. Because, uh, he's like a fan favorite. He loves the city. The city loves him. Definitely. And he's... Definitely shows how much of a team player he is being willing to come back after being released to save that cap space. Another re-sign here. Dante Jackson re-signed with the Panthers on a three-year $35.1 million deal. This has got to be one of the worst contracts of the offseason. I mean, when you look at Dante Jackson, he's just getting burned left and right. So what do you all think about this contract here? Yeah, I, not a fan. I wasn't a, a big fan of him at LSU and then his, his rookie year I distinctly I mean obviously he was a rookie and it's Antonio Brown but I I just whenever I think of him the first play I think of is him just getting posted by Antonio Brown it was nuts he I mean he got put in the dirt um but you know he's one of those guys that gets interceptions and does stuff with the ball after he catches them so you know it's natural for for him to get inflated contract, to be a fan favorite, etc. But yeah, I'm just not a big De- Dante Jackson guy. He's probably, I don't know, he's is he the third best corner? I'm not even sure. So uh, yeah, he he was well. Stephon Gilmore is a free agent, so right now he's probably the second best because it's going to be J.C. Horn and then him, unless they draft a cornerback, which they very well might do. So we'll see what happens with that cornerback room. Another resign. Cordero Patterson resigned with the Falcons on a two-year, $10.5 million deal. He was really the life of that offense last year, him and Kyle Pitts. He is older now. I think he's 31 years old now. So 5.5 or 5.25 mil a year might be a little too much, but definitely that do-it-all player who they could definitely use to resign with them. What do y'all think about that? I, I like the move a lot. Um, I actually like that contract. Like I said in the last episode, I'm I'm very anti-paying running backs. But I mean, a guy who, you know, doesn't have a a lot of wear on his tires just because he's kind of been just a gadget player most of his career. I know he's older, yeah. especially for a running back. But like I said, he doesn't have a lot of wear and tear. Um, and he definitely deserves that money after last season. You know, he was great receiver for them. Obviously, a talented runner. Uh, just uh, an explosive piece for that offense that probably won't be very good this year. 
Yeah, what I did notice last year, at the end of last year, he did start slowing down a little bit, but I think it just might have been the offense not being able to operate at all. So there's not much you can do when you have such a crappy offense around you. Mm-hmm. Um, Leo Collins, after being released by the Cowboys, signs with the Bengals on a three-year deal. Bengals are doing a very good job this offseason. So they signed off to the line that we saw struggled all throughout last season and especially throughout the playoffs. What do y'all think about this signing right here? I mean, yeah, we talked about it on the on the, on the last podcast episode. Um, you know, Leo Collins is a great talent. Um, I think that the Bengals kind of understood what they needed to get done this offseason. They want to protect Joe Burrow. He, you know, that offensive line got destroyed in the in the Super Bowl by Aaron Donald and Von Miller. So uh, they've clearly made it a priority to invest in Joe Burrow. It's not only a great move for the success of their football team, but it also proves to Joe Burrow and his camp that they, they are committed to him and, and want him to be successful and healthy. So I, I like the offensive line moves they've made. They brought in Alex Kappa as well, like we talked about last episode. Now Lyle Collins. Um, you know, I'm, I'm excited for the Bengals' future. Agreed. I've, I looked at their new offensive line, actually, and from this from their center, Ted Crest, to... Their right tackle and Leo Collins, it's a whole new offensive line on that right side. They have Jonah Williams on the left side. So they actually have a pretty solid offensive line now, so I'm really excited to see that offensive line next season. Another free agent uh, move we have here, Cowboys signed James Washington to a one-year deal. He was very underrated on the Steelers, and I think he's a perfect wide receiver three for this Cowboys offense. What do you all think about this signing? I, I, I... I'm a, I'm a James Washington guy, probably. I didn't love him at Oklahoma State, but, you know, he won the Blitnikoff Award, him and Mason Rudolph for lighting up the Big 12 that year. Um, a great vertical receiver for that offense. They they obviously lost Amari Cooper. Um, he does a lot of the same things that, that Michael Gallup does, where he kind of wins vertically, and that's most of his game. But he's got great ball skills. He's physical. Uh, I think it's a high upside move for them with uh, low risk. Definitely agreed there. I do think Cedric Wilson was a little bit better of a fit in that wide receiver three role, but they weren't willing to pay that money that the Dolphins paid. They got James Washington much cheaper, so I definitely understand that move. James Washington, definitely a very solid wide receiver three for them. We're at the end of the freight and transactions here, so we're just going to go over some of the top available free agents right now at the top of the list definitely Teron Armstead he's actually visiting with the Dolphins I believe on Monday so um yeah Mark obviously I'm sure you're very excited about that yeah need need that to happen he cannot leave Miami especially with uh well like see the, the team like the Bengals are doing it right they're locking up all these guys for three plus years which is you know Joe Burrow needs that I think for someone like Tua and that you know new head coach, they definitely need to keep him there. Yeah, that would be a very key signing for you guys. Uh, next up, Tyron Matthew is still available. Where do you all see him signing? Um, I wouldn't be surprised if he signed with a team like Pittsburgh, just to bulk up their defense even more. But as an Eagles fan, I would I would love to have him in Philadelphia. Our defense is poor, and we've got Rodney McLeod on one leg and Anthony Harris back there right now. 
So. Yeah, safety is definitely one of the biggest needs for y'all. I'm really hoping my commanders pursue him, but I don't see us doing that after resigning Bob McCain. Next up, we you got. Have all that you need in Commander Carson. You're right, exactly. He's leading us to a Super Bowl, just so you guys know. The frog. Next up, we got um, OBJ. Obviously, coming off that torn or ACL in uh, the Super Bowl, I think he's going to end up resigning with the Rams. Do y'all agree with that? Yeah, especially after the Woods trade, I could see them retaining him and going after another guy, uh, like like a Landry or Will Fuller type player. Uh, I don't, I don't, I feel like that would be spending too much money and agency on wide receivers at that point. They've already got A-Rob. yeah, they got Van Jefferson, A Rob, and uh, Cooper Cub. I mean, well, OBJ is gonna be out for like fourteen games or something like that. Yeah, but and... Van Jefferson is a fine wide receiver three. While OBJ is out, I feel like um, signing Jarvis or someone like that would just be throwing money away, really. Yeah, it doesn't. It doesn't really seem like something they would do to to bring in another receiver if they do bring back OBJ. In my opinion, uh, I think that they they kind of like their their in house people. They have Van Jefferson, who they really like, um, Ben Skronek, who they like. Um, so I just I don't think that they would. They bring in another premier wide receiver, maybe like a, a depth guy, um, but yeah, I don't, I don't think that they're going to spend more money on at the receiver position. Yeah, definitely, probably resign OBJ, but outside of that, definitely going to stay put. Um, next up, we got Bobby Wagner still available. I mean, I don't think he's good anymore. He's probably, I heard, um, I, or I saw reports that he's linked to the Ravens right now. So I'm thinking he's going to go to them. Where do y'all think he's going to end up? That's a very Ravens move. Yeah, I, I was about to say I, it's a very Ravens-esque uh, signing. I could definitely see that. I think it's an overreaction to say he's not good anymore. He's definitely um, still a good player. Obviously, he's, he can be the heart and soul of a defense, even if he's not even the best linebacker on a defense at this point. Like Last year, Jordan Brooks ar- arguably outplayed him. He just doesn't move the same like he used to. He's not as good in coverage, but he's still a smart run stopper, even if he does have some limitations athletically. Um, I think that he'd be good for like maybe a younger defense that needs a, a veteran presence or just like a, even a sure tackler. Um, but yeah, I, I the Ravens makes a lot of sense. Next up, we um, got another. Oh, sorry. Go ahead, Mo. No, I was just gonna say, just like how Cam said, it's a very Ravens move. Um, I would be surprised if Dallas signed him. I feel like that's a very Cowboys-esque move. Just washed up guys, hoping to contend. You know, rinse and repeat. I would say I agree. I agree, but they did uh, just re-sign LVE, so I'm not sure if they're gonna throw more money at a linebacker, especially after or with their cap situation right now. Uh. Next up with uh, free agents available, we got Jadavion Clowney. He uh, he actually had a really good season last year with the Browns, putting up nine sacks after his pass rushing ability was really in question before that last year. I think they're still going to end up re-signing Jadavion Clowney. What do you, th- what do you all think he's going to end up? I agree. That's all I've been seeing, all the reports I've been seeing. 
that the, the the Browns are actively trying to re-sign Clowney, and I also saw that they want to re-sign Jarvis Landry. Yeah, I I I think that his sack numbers kind of just speaks to the the dominance of Miles Garrett. He definitely needs to be a secondary pass rusher. He's obviously an elite run defender, but you know everywhere he'd been previously, I feel like he was the guy. Um, Houston, obviously, there was J.J. Watt, but he missed a lot of time. Um, you know, there was in Seattle, he was definitely the lead pass rusher. I don't even know who their secondary pass rusher would have been at the point. Maybe Quentin Jefferson, because Carlos Dunlap came along after. Um, but yeah, definitely being alongside Miles Garrett helped him a lot. So definitely agree there. Next up, um, Rob Gronkowski is still available. I mean, I would think that the Bucks are gonna pursue him and resign him after Tom Brady coming back, but I really haven't seen anything um, about him being linked to them. Do y'all think he's gonna resign? Yeah, he he's a Buccaneer. He just Rob Gronkowski just enjoys. Well, in the off season, probably getting a little too drunk and a little too high, but he's a Buccaneer. Yeah, I can I can see that being the case there. Um, I did want to bring up Antonio Brown's name. He's obviously still available. I don't think he's gonna find a home in the NFL, at least not anytime soon. Uh, I saw him tweet out um, about wanting to go to one team. Did y'all see that tweet? Yeah, he tweeted about wanting to go to the Browns, but the Browns he yeah. tweeted about yeah. going to the Ravens, and he he just be posting. He just be shit posting. <laughs> yeah, I don't it, think he'll be on a team anytime soon. It's a shame because he was he was a borderline top ten receiver with Tampa Bay this past season. Yeah, he was amazing last year. But obviously, he had that that incident, and you know, he, it usually doesn't go in your favor whenever you you know sue the, the NFL because all these owners they. They're in cahoots, so I, I don't think I don't know if he'll ever play in the NFL again, which is sad, because I mean, in my he's probably the best receiver I've seen, um, and in my generation, you know, it was him and Julio all those years, and I was always more of an Antonio Brown guy. So I hope he figures it out, and but more than anything, I just hope he gets healthy mentally, physically, everything. So. Yeah, I agree. They're definitely the best receiver, at least in my opinion, of the 2010s. Really sucks this. Uh, this mental health issue that he's had going on. I just really hope yeah. he can get healthy with that. Blame Vontez perfect in the end. I mean, he's probably out there somewhere right now having fun. Just like Gronk. I mean, he's performing at Rolling Loud in July. <laughs> yeah, but he was yeah, trying he to, like, buy the Broncos with uh, Kanye or some shit. So. He's just he's playing GTA From the, Fimo, the Palace. Yeah, I mean, he's, he's enjoying life. Maybe not remembering all of it, but he's having fun in the moment. He does not remember anything. Yeah. So I, I think that's it uh, for uh, top available free agents, all our free agent transactions. So we're actually going to move on to the March Madness tournament here, talk a little about, about that. How about you um, lead us on that, Cam? Yeah, um, I'm probably the biggest college basketball guy here. Um, you know, I... I've always enjoyed college basketball, but this season I, I really got in tune with it. Um, the the first team I, I kind of want to talk about, I'm, I don't even know if you guys would have anything to say about them, but Iowa State, um, they they advanced to the Sweet 16 today. I wasn't a fan of them at all. They One of the worst offenses I've seen this season. Um, they rival Wyoming for sure, who's another terrible offense, but uh, I, I can't believe they beat Wisconsin today. I thought that Wisconsin would for sure make a run having – 
one of the best players in the country and probably the best scoring guard in the country. He he went down though during that game, didn't he? Uh, maybe I I was at the gym during that most of that game, so I didn't watch a whole lot of it. But uh, that wouldn't surprise me because I, like I said, I can't I can't believe that Iowa State made the Sweet Sixteen. Um, but yeah, I'm I wasn't a believer in Wisconsin, so I'm not particularly surprised about it. But I I am surprised that Iowa State beat LSU and then followed it up with another win. Hey, speaking of Iowa State, I'll talk about Miami. They upset Auburn, which is kind of crazy. Uh, they're in the Sweet 16 as well for like the first time in like 10 years or something like that. Yeah, you're a Miami fan, aren't you? Uh, Not college, but yeah, I was seeing some stuff about it. I yeah, did watch I... that game as well. Yeah, talking about Auburn, you know, they're – and to win in March, you need good guards, and they they have guards that just you know they'll they'll lose them games. Obviously, they have the crazy front court duo Jabari Smith Jr. is going to be you know probably a top five pick, and then Walker Kessler who's played himself into the first round. Uh, great defensive front court, but you you really need good guards in March. Um, you know, I I have a friend who plays college basketball, and he played against Auburn this year, and he he told me that the Auburn guards they're um, you know. They, they make mistakes. They're sloppy. He said that most of that team is just really good athletes, but they're not necessarily hoopers. And I think that they're them losing to Miami, who you know kind of had an up-and-down season but always showed the flashes. I think that it it kind of proves that point that you, know, you, you can't just be a good athlete and expect to perform well in March Madness. So. Yeah, like you said about their guards, I feel like Ar- Arbor – was just really lacking like that playmaking ability uh, you know they lost by 20 so you know yeah, it wasn't really a competition there at all no uh, i also want to track back and talk about the first round with st peter's upsetting kentucky and you know, they've obviously advanced in the sweet 16 now but i just want to talk about uh how kentucky absolutely sold towards the end of the game how Kansas yeah. need a, a good guard to compete in march and and Kentucky just had five nine Wheeler dominating the yeah. ball in overtime. They couldn't even couldn't make a post entry pass to Oscar Shibway, who was dominating, absolutely dominating St. Peter the whole game. And I want to talk about how um, Coach Coach Alpari, huh? right? yeah, yeah, but yeah, he high tight Washington in like the first minute of overtime for for Davion Mintz. I know Washington was having a bad game, but you don't pick out a future lottery pick in the heat of March Madness with the game on the line. And put in and who proceeded to go, I think, over two or one for two from the free throw line, which cost them very costly points. Yeah, uh, I think I think it's time to to start questioning if John Calipari is actually that guy or not. You know, I don't. He hasn't had success in March in years. I thought that this Kentucky team had a chance to go to the Final Four. Um, you know, you look at you look at their region, and if they won, they would have played Murray State, who I think they probably would have beat pretty handedly. And then they're playing the winner of Texas and Purdue, and I I think that both of those teams are kind of pretty hit or miss. You know, Purdue they're they're held back a lot by two other four best players being big men who can't play on the court together. Uh, you know, Jaden Ivey he he needs space to work inside, and you know, having two guys that Kind of clog up the paint on the court at the same time doesn't work for him. 
And Texas, I, I didn't even think they'd beat Virginia Tech, so I'm obviously not a believer in them. I think that Chris Beard's really overrated. Um, and I, I don't think that this Texas team is near as good as last year's. So I think that they definitely had a shot to go to the Final Four if they did win that game. But, you know, John Calipari's not that guy. Speaking of St. Peter's, do you all think um, St. Peter's going to pull off another upset against either Purdue or Texas, whoever comes out of this game that's live right now? I, I definitely think they can. Um, I, I think that Purdue, I think Texas, I think St. Peter's beats Texas. But I think that Purdue is one of those teams that, you know, they, all year, they've just really pounded, uh, like, lower caliber teams. And St. Peter's has proven to be good. Um, you know, Doug Edder is one of the hottest guys in March right now. Um, but I, I just don't think that they'll be able to keep up with, with Jaden Ivey, you know. Um, a lot of what St. Peter's did to beat Murray, it involved a lot of running around screens for Edder or just simple backdoor cuts that Murray State just, for some reason, couldn't defend. Um, and but and St. Peter's, you know, going into more advanced stuff on Kim Palm, they, they had like the 224th ranked offense in the country and like the, the 60th ranked defense, which is fairly good. Um, but yeah, they're just. I just don't think they have the firepower to, to play with a team like Purdue if Purdue does win. But it does look like Purdue's going to pull it out. Yeah, they're, Texas. they're up nine. Yep. Yeah. Have you guys seen the uh, the videos of St. Peter's campus? Yeah, no. I did see that on it's TikTok. Like a street long. <laughs> it's literally a street long, and the gym is like a high school basketball court. It is ridiculous. Jeez, yeah. I mean, oh. It's. It's nuts. I I actually watched a video um, before March Madness started. It was kind of breaking down all the lower tiered uh, schools, like what they're good at, what they're bad at. And the guy distinctively said, St. Peter's is the worst 15 seed this year. And here they are in the Sweet 16. I mean, I think it's another thing in college is like with these guys is that a lot of them are playing to get to the league. Yeah. A lot of these top seeds have guys playing to get to the league, so they're, of course, they're playing for their team. They're playing for themselves at the same time. And with St. Peter's, you know, none of these guys are probably expected to make the NBA. So they're yeah. really just playing for each other and for their school. And, you know, grit and grind goes a long way, especially in March. And yeah. they want it more, you know. It's just a thing. It's just, yeah, you know, sometimes I mean, it's just about hard. Definitely. And, you know, I think – that's that's what's kind of cost Kentucky past years. Is they've had super young teams, and that's why I thought this year would be different because you know, their team wasn't super young. I think the only freshman that started was Ty Ty Washington. You know, Oscar Shibway has been there. Um, you know, and also he's goes. been their yeah he's been their best player this year. And I thought that man. they finally had the experience and the age to make a run. And obviously, they got upset by the 15 seed. Just. A tough look for John Calipari. Is Oscar Shibway what's he projected like second round? I haven't seen. Him. Uh, yeah, he'll be like an early second rounder. I think he should yeah. probably go back to school, but. And he's you know. he was dominating. He's just like. Yeah. He's dominating college, but you know he's six nine. He's not gonna dominate these NBA bigs. Yeah. He's a big body, and unlike some other college big men who succeed, he's actually like athletic and he can he moves. He can play defense. He's built. Like mm, a brick wall. Yeah, um, I, I kind of want to talk about, about Houston a little bit. Um, you know, they were a popular upset pick this year was the 12-5 game between them and UAB. And I I thought that the winner of that game would for sure be Illinois. 
Um, but this Houston team looks extremely impressive. You know, they 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 always have success in March under Sampson. You know, they um, I think that there's a good chance they can um, maybe play with Arizona if Arizona does win. They'll definitely beat TCU. But the, every year they they've made the Sweet 16. It feels like and last year obviously making the Final Four. I you know they're they're just a lot of fun to watch. They play hard. They get up and down. Um, just a really athletic team. And they, they definitely run the AAC. Live update on that TCU versus Arizona game. TCU is up four right now. Um, looks like at the start of the second half. Yeah, if, if Arizona loses, that's tough. Because I thought I thought that they were clearing away the best team in the country. They play like an NBA team. Yeah. Actually, Houston, I mean, like subconsciously rooting for them just a little bit. I mean, I did get to see them in person at Temple. Mm-hmm. Uh they came here to play the Temple Owls. You know, great basketball organization. But oh yeah, um, they only beat them by five, and I was like, I just didn't think because my I didn't think they'd go that far because you're only beating Temple by five. But yeah, I mean they're they're hooping. I mean, then they did end up beating Temple by like forty six. But <laughs> we're not worried about that <laughs> in the AAC, AAC tournament. But yeah, I I root for Houston hooping. a little bit. Um, they've they've got a guy on their team who's who's from my area. He graduated, I think, one year ahead of me. So I root for them a little bit, but um, you know, I'll, I definitely won't be rooting for them against Arizona or TCU. Um, but um, it's that same region, um, Michigan. They were probably not deserving of making the tournament in the first place, but um, you know they got a favorable matchup in Colorado State, but. And then yesterday they beat Tennessee. It was uh, pretty shocking to me. I just, I Tennessee was the other team that I thought could make a run to the Final Four. Um, the SEC is just poverty. But Michigan, they they pulled it off. They, uh, their big man Hunter Dickinson, he I think he had 24 points, maybe even 27. And then they actually had the game iced for them by six foot Eli Brooks running hook shot. <laughs> but. They're they're an 11 seed and they're going to be playing two seed Villanova and I think that's a very winnable game. I'm not a believer in any Big East teams. I just think that conference is very average. So I think that uh, we could possibly have an 11 seed in the Elite Eight as well as you know, maybe St. Peter's pulls it off. So oh and then we're we're also going to have one of Iowa State or Miami, which is a 10-11 matchup. So the Elite Eight's looking a lot of fun this year. Well, I just wanted to ask if you like. Do you think it's like a like a Carson Edwards of this tournament? You know, who's you know some small guy who's who's putting up buckets and willing his team through it. I don't I don't know who would be so far. I mean, like honestly, I, I like there's not really like a small guy I can think of, but Doug Eddard. I mean, he's he's that's, yeah, that's what I was talking. To. Yeah, Doug Eddard. He's he's not he's not putting up like crazy stats, but he's he's getting the important buckets. And he I got. He he's he playing was, with. He's playing with his heart, man. He out there oh, hooping, straight hooping. Kentucky game was. Cr- oh my god! I mean, I was rooting for Kentucky just because of my bracket. But you know, when you see that guy hoop, it's like this guy's six two. Yeah. He's got a little mustache going on. He's just out there jacking <laughs> up threes and they go in. Yeah. I, mean, I like that St. Peter's coach. Their offense is is a lot of fun. You know, a lot of a lot of college teams. You know, their their offenses are pretty boring. Spent. Gosh, I know I. T- I don't want to harp on Wyoming over and over again, but their offense was atrocious. They had two guys touch the ball all game. But, yeah, I mean, Doug Edder, they have him running off of 
off of pin down screens and and shooting off the dribble and you know cutting back door. It's like he, I mean, he honestly looks like Steph Curry out there, which you know it's it's a ton yeah. of fun to watch. But yeah, as you were saying about their coach, I mean, I saw an interview of him and he I mean, he believes in his boys, you know, and he said he's yeah. not, they're not scared of getting back down. He, he's like, you know, from Jersey, it happens. None of these guys are scared of anything, and I've been to Jersey. Oh, they're definitely not scared of anything. I'll tell you that. <laughs> yeah, not a, no offense to anybody listening from New Jersey, but that's a lot of fun to watch. Now, what what percent chance would you guys give St. Peter's to make the Final Four here? If they're able to make final it out four, to the Elite Eight. A, a final Four? I mean, um, if you came in, the, I think it's like a hard question to answer because you give them, you answered it like you could have asked the, what percent chance you give them to beat Kentucky, I would have said like one. Yeah, probably not um, even. I think this region is is awesome. I think it's super up in the air. We have North Carolina and UCLA playing um, in the upper part of this region. Um, you know, UCLA, they kind of win because they make tough shots. So, you know, St. Peter's can get them on a night where they're not going to make those tough shots. And like I mentioned earlier, St. Peter's, great defensive team. Um, so, you know, maybe maybe they can, they can force UCLA to really struggle. Um, and, you know, we saw North Carolina with the, the total meltdown they had against Baylor in the second half. Uh, really, just the last 10 minutes, I think they had a 25-point lead with 10 minutes left in the game. Um, you know, leaky black. <laughs> but I think I think the St. Peter's can honestly be either of those teams, but they got to get through Purdue first. So. And so, you know, talking about these Sweet 16 matchups, uh, I want to talk, you know, out west, Gonzaga, and Arkansas, how you feeling about that matchup? I think Arkansas sucks. I think Gonzaga sucks. Oof. I I, mean, I just I don't think they suck. Obviously, they've been a powerhouse for years, but you know they don't, they don't love them. In Arkansas, they beat they beat New Mexico State, and they only made like fourteen field goals or something. It's like it's crazy. Boy was on that team, no? Yeah. They went they went fourteen for fifty one. Yeah, fourteen for fifty one against New Mexico State, which I, yeah. I took them in that game. By the way, in my bracket, you took Arkansas the Aggies. No, 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 the yeah. New Mexico. Oh, yeah, yeah. Arkansas, they they have a great coach, but I just don't think they're, I don't think they're legit at all. I mean, they they're gonna make their free throws. They um they've got pretty good guard play with J T Note, and I like Chris Likes at all. He's a lot of fun to watch. He's he's a little guy. Um, he hit those those clutch free throws to put the Aggies away. But, yeah, I think Gonzaga should beat them pretty handily, especially if uh, Nimbard plays as well as he did against Memphis. Um, I think that, you know, I don't think that the Memphis game is a good representation of Gonzaga. Um, you know, Memphis probably played their best game of the season, and I think that Memphis, if they were on the other end of this bracket, I think that Memphis that game would have beat Duke if they played how they did that game. So I think that Drew Timmy isn't going to go down without a fight, even though I don't think he's nah. a good NBA prospect at all. But I, I yeah. just I don't think that Arkansas is going to be able to handle that front court. And then, like I said, if Nimbard plays as well as he did, then I don't think Arkansas stands a chance. Speaking of Zaga, how do you all feel about this Chet um, slander that's been going on recently? It's ridiculous. I also agree it's ridiculous. I mean, you, you say, like, the number one thing against him is that he's too little, but the the first five minutes of that game, he was bullying Jalen Duran on both ends of the court, who's, I mean, he's got NBA size for sure. He's going to be a lottery pick at yeah. the center position. I mean, the he was going to be lottery picks, yeah. Duran, Duran was, was one for five with two fouls five minutes into the game with Chet on him, you know. I, 
I, I think that Chet is, you know, he's obviously skinny, but um, it doesn't really affect him much on defense, at least in college. You know, he, he bodies dudes up. Uh, he's a great shot blocker in the WCC. Um, but, you know, I think that I think that it does affect him a little bit on offense. He gets bodied up some in the post. But he's more of a finesse big anyway. He's got great touch at the rim. He can, you know, move in space. Um, but, like I said, on, on defense, I don't know if it's going to translate right away to the NBA unless he adds some weight because a lot of his – a lot of his blocks or defensive highlights is him getting beat, like on a drop step or something, and just being able to recover and use his wingspan to, to block shots over the top. So, uh, but I I think Chet's a great player. He's my number one player in the class right now. Um, I just wanted to real quick just track back to the Arkansas thing. Talk about like how horrible, like absolutely pitiful they played against the Aggies. I mean that game was like yeah. I think they it looked like they were almost taken for a draft pick as college basketball teams. <laughs> yeah. I mean, looking at the stats, I know stats on everything, but in the game, both teams combined, three people shot over forty percent. And Arkansas had three starters in forty minutes and none of them scored more than ten points. The highest field goal percentage being three for five and the other two for going three for ten. It's a yeah. uh, maybe there was a, a little Rim, but they, I don't know how they advanced. It was just one team played worse than the other. No team played. Yeah, yeah New Mexico out-rebounded them and outshot them too. It's like I don't think they stand a chance against the Zags at all. Yeah. No. I Arkansas losing to Vermont in round one was a popular upset pick as well. But I I think that this is where it ends for Gonzaga. You know they they had um, some impressive games this season, but I I just don't think the Arkansas is going to be able to hang with Gonzaga. Now, if Gonzaga advances, do you all see Texas Tech or Duke beating them? Um, Oof. so the two good teams I, right there. I think yeah. Texas Tech is. I think Texas Tech has a better chance at beating them than Duke. Um, I agree, I, but at the same time, like, I think Duke is at the. Usually, they're playing for themselves, you know, trying to get to the league. But you know, this is like a a farewell season for Coach K. Yeah. Coaching icon. I just I don't see it in my in my heart that that they're gonna go out early. I just think I, they're gonna play they're playing for their coach like a family. Yeah. I just like they're playing for their coach, but I don't even think like that I mean, are they? Because they lost to North Carolina Coach K's last home game, you know. I don't know. It, it wasn't on. Yeah, I mean, <laughs> yeah. Hey, but shout I, out R.J. Davis, bro. He's I'm, he's the truth. I'm a big Texas Tech fan. I like Mark Adams a lot. Um, I'm I'm not a Chris Beard fan. He was the t- coach of Texas Tech, and I was kind of one of the the pushers of the narrative that Mark Adams carried that team as an assistant. So I'm glad that he's having success. You know, they're one of the best defensive teams in the country, and uh, I like Terrence Shannon a lot. He gets buckets, um, but. I, I don't I'm not a believer in Duke at all. I think Paulo's overrated. I you know, I just I I'm Duke never performs in in March these last couple of years. I'm honestly surprised that they beat Michigan State. Um, even though I didn't think Michigan State was good, but on and if you know not to spoil his his farewell tour, but Coach K hasn't really been a great coach in a couple of years. Okay, trying to say. Looking, uh, looks like Purdue did end up 
being uh, Texas, eighty-one to seventy-one. Texas almost it actually uh, came down to seventy-four to seventy-one in that last about minute and a half. Texas came back, but uh, looks like Purdue pulled Ooh, that one out. So Purdue really pulled the way on by ten. Yeah, so it's so it's gonna be St. Peter's versus Purdue. As you were talking about Cam, you said uh, Purdue definitely stands a better chance in that matchup than Texas would have. Yeah, um, I mean, if Purdue can can defend backdoor cuts, then they'll probably win that game pretty easily. <laughs> but for some reason, Murray State couldn't. But yeah, I I I probably like Purdue in that game, and I I don't know, uh, um, maybe like a like a sixty-eight to fifty-nine win for Purdue or something. It does look like Arizona is starting to pull away from TCU now. They're up by five now, and they were down by they were down by four, and now they're up by five. So it looks like they're starting to pull away. But uh, so that's gonna do it for this episode, guys. Uh, again, make sure to uh, follow our Twitter, Instagram, and TikTok at official TSC Pod. And we'll see you all next episode.